Vamos. Welcome back to Delta Force 2, the Columbia Connection Minute. This is the podcast that chronicles and overanalyzes the classic 1990 film, Delta Force 2, the Columbia Connection. I'm Kyle. I'm Brady. Wait, I've got Tobin Spirit Guide in front of me. This isn't the Delta Force podcast, oh, is it? Oh, uh, this is the Ghostbusters podcast? Quick, just turn it off. You know turn what? Let's just roll with just it. Roll I, it. I, I, I've got a headache. I don't All have right. the time to go back and edit it out. People will understand. Welcome back to Ghostbusters Minute. Ghostbusters Minute is the fan podcast that chronicles and overanalyzes the classic 1984 film Ghostbusters Minute by Minute. I'm Kyle. And I'm Brady. And we're here today to bring you Minute number 39 of Ghostbusters. Brady, how are you doing today? Doing good, man. Just awesome. Trying to get through some banter there. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's always a push to get through banter. I think at the beginning of the show. You know what? I think that uh, at this point, our audience expects high quality banter from you and I. And if you're here for the first time, thank you so much for joining us. Banter is what you can expect. A lot of banter and chronicling and overanalyzing of the classic 1984 film Ghostbusters, minute by minute. Like I said earlier, if this is your first time, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. There are 38. Actually, no, there are 39 other episodes of this podcast for you to uh, listen we are, to. We are at 39, so technically there is a total of 39. Yeah. Uh, no, this is, a, this is episode 40, minute 39. Crap. We have a pilot episode. We don't Wait, know what we're doing. we have a minute doing. number zero, don't we? So there's 41? We did. Oh, this podcast is just getting too big for its own good. But anyway, today's a great episode because we're heading on into the montage of Ghostbusters, That's aren't right. we? That's right. One of the best montages in film history, if you ask me. Yeah, there's this one. There's the house cleaning montage from Nerds. Uh, Revenge of the Nerds 2, mm-hmm. there's Rocky on top of the mountain, well, yeah. Ghostbusters, and then the Ghostbusters 2 montage, yeah. which features that really cool sneak scene where, uh, a sneaky scene where, is it Venkman? There's the spectral yeah, marathon right runner, the, yeah. and he just hits him with a trap it's as so he goes through. Awkward, the little exchange of dialogue or something. Wait, know. no, no, you're thinking of something else. You're thinking of where they dress up as homeless people. In Ghostbusters it? 1. It's an edited out no, scene. No, 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 no. I know what you're talking about, though. No, this is when the jogger's going by, and then it... it you know, they do the trap thing or whatever, and then it cuts, and how does, uh, I don't know. It's just kind of awkward when I watch it. I have no idea what you're talking but about. I have to go back me. and watch it after this. But right, anyway, well. but this montage is fantastic. Don't you, wouldn't you agree? Yeah. Okay. You ready to get into it? Let's do it. Because I got a lot to talk about in this minute. So we should go ahead and get into it. Let's do it. Are you ready to get into it? Let's do it. Because I got a lot to talk about. I think the audience wants you to shut up and go ahead and get okay, into it. Okay, go ahead and get into it. Minute number 39. Now, in the previous minute, we saw the Ghostbusters discussing the bill for the hotel with the hotel manager. Of the Sedgwick Hotel. At minute number 39, Venkman thanks the hotel manager and hands him the bill while Ray stands by with a smoking ghost trap. At 39.05, the Ghostbusters exit the head Sedgwick Hotel while a montage begins. Ray Parker Jr.'s song Ghostbusters starts up in the background. At 39.07, Roger Grimsby is on Dana Barrett's television delivering the morning news, which features a story on the Ghostbusters and how the entire eastern seaboard is alive with talks of paranormal activity. Dana Barrett is doing sit-ups as she watches the television. At 38... Excuse me, thirty nine twenty. We cut to a, an on the street reporter teasing a story about ghost stories and a spectral locomotive that his grandmother would talk about. A man who looks vaguely like Charles Manson in a denim jacket stands in the background and stares into the camera. At thirty nine thirty, we see a parallel swipe fade into the ringing alarm bell at the Ghostbusters firehouse. The Ghostbusters get dressed for a midnight bust while a copy of USA Today crosses over into frame with the headline, Ghost Fever Grips New York. They should probably get that checked out. A ghost fever is nothing to, to play around with. No. The date of the newspaper is October 11th, 1984, a Tuesday. At 3938, the Ghostbusters, the newspaper with the Ghostbusters on it slides out of frame to show and the extra one swinging around the corner. Wait, what? <laughs> I don't know. What do your notes say? 
Oh, oh, okay, I got it. At 3938, the newspaper slides out of frame to show the Ecto-1 swinging around a corner. All of the lettering in the shot is reversed, and we'll get to that in a minute. At 3942, another newspaper, this time the New York Post, also dated October 11, 1984, slides to the right of the frame. The headline reads, Ghost Cops Bust Chinatown Spook. A side headline reads, Jury, colon, Doctors Marked Patients for Mercy Death. I just thought that was weird. Wow. On the left-hand side of the frame, Vankman and Ray are about to climb into the Ecto-1 as a store owner brings them both roasted duck. At 3948, we cut again to the bell at the Ghostbusters firehouse ringing. We see the Ecto-1 making a right-hand turn. We see Ray walking out of a basement apartment holding a smoking trap. At 3952, we hear the voice of Larry King over footage of the Ecto-1 making another right-hand turn. A copy of Time magazine slides into frame with the headline, Ghostbusters, Supernatural Success Story. Larry King states that there is a controversy over the Ghostbusters and that some have claimed that the Ghostbusters are the cause of everything going on. And thus ends minute number 39 and the first half of the montage. Still a lot of really fun stuff happening in this montage. But the primary purpose of this montage is to show that there is a ramp up of paranormal activity in the tri-state area or or New York itself. Mm Mm-hmm. And the guys are busy. I mean, business has really kicked off. Yeah, and this is a real fun way to show that, you know, at the very beginning, we say the Eastern Seaboard is alive with paranormal activity, you know, yeah. that uh, when Dana is doing her sit-ups. And you and I had to talk about this. I know. I've got it in my notes. Uh, it when, is clearly Dana Barrett's yeah. apartment, but we do not see a full face shot of Sigourney Weaver. What did this lead you to believe as you were younger when, seeing this movie? Okay, so when I was younger, I just, you know, maybe it was because I was a younger viewer and I just didn't think that far into it. Um but I never understood that this was Dana until I got a little bit older. And then later you see her stringing her cello. And again, I just didn't think that that was her. I just thought these were shots of random people seeing all this on TV. And it made total sense. I mean, the whole purpose of this montage is to show that they're, uh, people you know, are starting to see them and become aware of them. So it would make sense that we see random people seeing them on TV. Well, yeah. you know, hey, it's Dana. It doesn't really ruin anything. So. It's been about six minutes since we've seen Dana Barrett in the film as well. Mm-hmm. So, so you, yeah, a kid might have kind of forgotten about it at this point. Maybe five minutes. But yeah, anybody, if you're off screen for five minutes, you might as well be dead. Mm-hmm. So at this point, all of a sudden, we're seeing a non-face you know, face shot yeah. of Dana Barrett. It's probably a bottled body double. It's probably standing. So Gurney Weaver had, her career was booming at this point. So maybe she had like dual shoots going on or something like that. Or her time in the movie was over when they got together to shoot the montage. But not having her face on, it is a little bit weird to be it, twice in this montage, right? Is she, mm-hmm, she's yeah. not shown stringing her cello, so yeah. we're kind of like, who is this weird person? And one time she has a towel wrapped around her head, which just adds even yes, more to the yeah. fact that a kid might not think, you know, of who this is. So yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. It, you know, going back and watching now as an adult, I'm like, okay, clearly it's supposed to be Dana Barrett, but yeah. Uh, but yeah. So she's doing sit ups there in front of the TV. Uh-huh. So the news anchor who um, I didn't do any research to see who the guy was on her TV at first. It may have just been an actor for the movie. I'm not sure. But yeah, uh, I didn't either. I got the other guy though. <laughs> yeah. Well, the um, so the guy who's talking about his grandma's yarn about a spectro locomotive, you know, the, the obviously everyone's attention who's ever watched this movie is going to go to the guy, the hippie who walks by in the background yeah. and starts like scratching his uh, neck and he just gives this look of, all right, and walks off. It wasn't an extra in the movie. Really? It was just someone who walked into frame. I guess they didn't have that good of a security team blocking it, but uh, he just walked into frame and did that little thing and then walked out and they said, we're using that take. Absolutely. Yeah. No, it was great. His performance in the background was really funny. Mm-hmm. I mean, your eye goes to him because he's mobile and he looks like Jesus or something like that. And you know what? It'd be cool if we were watching the newscaster saying that thing, but it would just have been more stuff, kind of redundant stuff for the montage. This yeah. is one of those things that expands the world, the universe, the characters, the number of people that exist in this movie's universe. And uh, here's just one more oddball character 
like uh, so many others in the movie, and it wasn't even planned to be in there. Yeah, I like his little thing about his grandmother. He used to tell the story about the spectral yeah. locomotive. I want to hear rocket. that story. Actually, I do too. Well, do you? Do you, have you ever seen uh, Amazing Stories? Yes. You know what the the first episode of that show is about a spectral locomotive. Yeah. Do you, have you seen this one? No, but. Fill us in real quick on what that is. For yeah, so Amazing Stories know. was a show that Steven Spielberg produced back in the 1980s, and it was it was a, an anthology show, but what every episode was unrelated to the previous one. So they would have been like kind of horror stories, the weird kind of Amblin, spooky, supernatural, but also feel good type thing, like mm-hmm. kind of ET or Close Encounters of the Third Kind is that Steven Spielberg mark a trademark a positive supernatural thing. That he did so well. Well, the first episode was about this kid, excuse me, about this family that was bringing the, the grandfather in to live uh, with the family. And he walks up and he looks at the house and he's like, oh, this house shouldn't be here. It's in the wrong place. It is a new house the family had just built. They're bringing him to see. So he keeps talking about how the house is in the wrong place. And uh, one night, I guess, while the family's sleeping, all of a sudden the house starts shaking and this train pulls in, busts straight through the house. And what he's trying to say is that your house is in the the tracks for the train that's going to come to take me to heaven later. And uh, he turns from this rambling old man to a guy that's picked up by a ghost train in the middle of the night. So wow. I thought that was kind of cool, but I always like the story about the spectral locomotive. I want to hear the grandma tell more stories about that. So. Yeah. Um, so we see a shot of the Ecto one turning at one point, And if you notice all the lettering is reversed in the scene. Mm-mm. And I think we talked about this when Christopher Stewart was on the show that this was uh, the Ecto one, I guess couldn't make left turns. <laughs> Wow. I think is what was going on. So they had to reverse the shot to make it look like it's making a left turn in it. And I think like maybe the car even like shuts down halfway through the turn because only one of the lights is yeah. on at one point. Yeah. <laughs> I love the fact that the light is going to come on only when they make a turn and yeah. it lets out that giant, you know, burst as on the, the engine isn't working. On the left-hand side of the screen, there's a, um, a moving truck and it's got the numbers 224 on it, but they're reversed. So you can see that it's huh. reversed there. Yeah. So in the Chinatown scene... Where the ghost cops bust Chinatown spook part happens. Ray mm-hmm. and uh, Vankman are about to get into the car. And the a shop owner, I guess, or probably where they busted the ghost, runs out and brings them two of those like Peking ducks that they yeah. hang in the window of Chinatown. Uh-huh. Like when you walk through the butcher shop and there's just like these like yeah. hung ghost, uh, ghost, <laughs> hung uh, <laughs> geese or ducks hanging from there. Like it looks so good. But Ray is wearing like a skull cap. He's wearing something. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, uh, I don't know the name of it. In fact, I looked it up and I couldn't find a name for it. But you see sometimes traditional Chinese wear is like the silk robe and then this like skull cap. And mm-hmm. then sometimes a, um, uh, it, was a it was a neat little touch. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty cool. I mean, they probably bust the ghost, and these people are so appreciative. They're like, here, take one of our skull caps. Oh, and by the way, take two Peking ducks, which I would have done it probably just for the Peking yeah, duck. That right. would be great. The uh, New York Post yes. cover, the picture on it is a still from later in the movie when they're fighting with Gozer and they're crossing the streams. Really? Which I noticed. Oh, that's right. I know, yeah. I hope that's not ruining it for anybody, but I noticed that uh, not long ago. Really? So. Uh, so Winston is not in the shot anywhere, though, right? Correct. Yeah. I tried to find a copy of the USA Today from October 11th, 1984 to see what was actually on the cover to see if they superimposed the Ghostbuster stuff on it, but I could not find a copy anywhere. So this is unlike where we saw the People magazine that Janine was reading in an earlier minute that was like 1985, I think. Mm-hmm. Listeners, that. if you can find that, put a picture of it up on our Facebook. Yeah, please do. So uh, Larry King's cameo yeah. is awesome because it gives the movie that much more credibility and brings the real world familiarity into the movie. Uh, the 2016 Ghostbusters film had Al Roker in it for a second, and that always helps uh, for me whenever a movie's trying to identify itself as though it you know, takes place in my world, give it some you know, authenticity. Um, 
You see this uh, here and there in movies. I know Jay Leno used to do cameos in movies constantly. Yeah. Where he was, you know, doing his monologue. Um, and I can't really think of too many other examples at the moment. But, uh, well, let's see. Let's see. Jimmy Fallon did his little cameo in Jurassic World, which yeah. is, I think, kind of a reference to Ella DeGeneres being in some uh, rides. Universe in, of in, Energy. Yeah, yeah, and things in Disney World. So mm-hmm. it was, it's always neat to see stuff like that. But Yeah, um, there's been a little bit of controversy as of late around. I remember, I think it was the Slash film cast, maybe, where David Chin, the host of that show, was talking about... Great podcast, by the way. Fantastic podcast. Great if you like website. this, listen to it. That's one of my all-time favorite podcasts. I've been listening to that since like 2008 or so. God, those guys have been on the air for a long yeah, time. But anyway, great job. Um, I think he was talking recently about the controversy as of late about how, in some people's eyes, these real journalists like Anderson Cooper appearing in movies like this kind of degrades their credibility a little bit. Do you find that at all? Not at all. No, no me neither. I think it's like, it's, it's a fun thing. You know, they're probably on production lots, you know, or near something like this going on. It'd be very easy to just use, utilize the cameras in the studio to get them to do like, you know, 30 minutes of their time to get them yeah. to read a little no, bit of copy. doesn't make me see Anderson Cooper any other way. No, and I, I, I like it as well. And this is really cool because, you know, the the gentleman on the on the street reporter here at the beginning was an actor uh, who has appeared in some other stuff. His name was Christopher Weinkopp, and he's also been has appeared in the 2001 psychological horror film Wendigo. Did you ever see that? I didn't. Uh, no, it's pretty good. To. It's pretty good. And some Spike Lee films such as Summer of Sam and She Hate Me. So he's, uh, and he was also in Pootie Tang, which if you haven't seen Pootie Tang, my God, what's wrong with you? I can't believe we haven't started Pootie Tang Minute. Yeah, that's a great, right? Great Somebody movie. get on that. Directed by Louis C.K. Okay. Not a lot of people know that. So having Larry King on here, d- does Larry King show up a min- again in a minute and ask? No, no, no. I'm thinking of somebody else. For some reason, in my mind, the gentleman who asks Ray, "How is Elvis?" and "Have you seen him lately?" Yeah. in my mind is Larry King, but it's not. I no. can see him sitting at Larry King's desk being asked this question, but it's not at all. I don't know. If maybe that happens in Ghostbusters too. If that, I'm confusing the two in my mind here. I'm, I'm, my head's a little swimmy. I had a lot of wine last night at dinner. Dan Aykroyd did an interview with Larry King one time. You may mm-hmm. have seen that somewhere. Possibly. Oh, Maybe. yes. That's probably what I've been watching recently because I think on Larry King is where uh, Dan Aykroyd did an interview about his belief in ghosts and stuff like that. And there's that footage mm-hmm. of them drinking the Crystal, crystal Head vodka. You know, and yeah, uh, there was a Larry King bit <clears throat> a few years ago um, where Dan Aykroyd and his father were on. Mm-hmm. And Dan Aykroyd made mention of the possibility or an idea for a third Ghostbusters, and Larry King took it upon himself to say, "Like, okay, there it is. It's official, right here. Ghostbusters three is coming." Yeah. And Dan Aykroyd just smiles, like, "Okay." Yeah. Larry King sometimes does that. I remember he had Sarah Palin on his show one time, and her book at the time was called "Going Rogue," about how she just like went against message during the McCain campaign, and. <laughs> Larry King, God bless him, keeps going, Sarah Palin here with her new back book, Going Rouge. And he oh, keeps referring no, to it as really? Going Rouge. And I just couldn't, I, thought hey. it, I didn't know if he was like trying to like diss her and talk about it like being a book about makeup tutorials or something <laughs> like that. But the whole time Sarah Palin's just got that look on her face like, okay, I don't know if she noticed yeah. it or not either. But anyway, uh, well, so this is a fun minute. I like what's going on here. Yeah. More stuff to come in the next minute and then we get to the introduction of Winston. But this is a great montage. It's fun. It's peppy. It moves the story along and it kind of fills you in on the idea that the ghost activity in New York is ramping yeah, up. Yeah, it, it does everything that a montage is supposed to do and it does it really, really well. Yeah. And it brings us right into an upcoming minute where Walter Peck shows up. There you go. So there's a lot going on. The, yeah. the next several minutes of this movie, uh, this podcast are just going to be really, really, really jam-packed with stuff. 
You don't want to miss it. You it's a must-hear podcast. It. There you go. All right. Well, that pretty much does it unless you got anything else. That's it for me. All right, folks. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I'm Kyle with Brady here to remind you that uh, time is but a door, death a window, uh, and life is some sort of like side hatch. I don't know. Wait. That's not it. Death is but a door, time a window. We will be back. Ghostbusters Minute is a fan-supported podcast. To become a patron of Ghostbusters Minute and gain access to exclusive weekly bonus content, visit us at patreon.com slash gbminute. If you like the podcast, then leave us a review on iTunes. You can contact us at ghostbustersminute at gmail.com and visit us online at ghostbustersminute.com, facebook.com slash ghostbustersminute, twitter.com slash gbminute, and look us up on Instagram at ghostbustersminute. Our theme song is Ectoplasm by Audionautics, which is licensed under the Creative Commons Attributions License.